Well, I'm excited. Have y'all noticed? I'm excited to be back. I miss y'all. After two weeks, I'm like, uh, I got to be with my family. I got to be uh, with my church. And we're starting a new series of messages this morning that we're calling Choose Joy. And joy is what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. And I just have to tell you that the Holy Spirit has been encouraging me and impressing on me to do a sermon series on joy for quite some time. And for those of you that have known me for a long time and you know me well, you know the Holy Spirit has a name. Who is it? Lynette, right. Lynette, my wife, has been impressing on me for quite some time that I should do a sermon series on joy because it just seems like that people in the world that we live in today have lost their joy. And so many things affect that. And, and, you know, it, it seems simple to talk about joy and having joy. And honestly, for those of us that were raised in the church, when we were kids, when we were young, we were excited about the joy in the Lord. Somebody finish this for me. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Right? And when we were kids, we used to sing that loud and proud. Did we not? I mean, basically we'd scream that at the top of our lungs. Singing about the joy that we can have when we have Jesus living in our heart. And so I began to study places in the scripture that talked about joy. And several, of the, several references, several things pointed me back to Philippians. To this letter that Paul had written to the church in Philippi. And so most of this series... We're going to be focusing on Paul's writing here in the book of Philippians because if we're all honest, I mean, if we all really think about it, many of us today have allowed this world to rob us of our joy. Many of us have. Uh, whether it be, you know, bad news that we hear on a regular basis, and I'm going to just tell you, I'm, I used to be one of the biggest news junkies in the whole wide world. Uh, we have got to the point to where we hardly ever turn on the TV and watch the news at our house. And friends, let me tell you something. I'm just a happier person because of it, right? Because bad news will rob us of our joy. Uh, a bad doctor's report will rob us of our joy. Sometimes our jobs rob us of our joy. Family trouble can rob us of our joy. Pursuit of education and going to school Sometimes it can rob us of our joy, can't it, kids? All kinds of things in this world. Yeah, I got an amen right there. But you know what? There is a difference uh, between joy and being happy. There, there's a difference. Kay Warren, who is uh, the wife of Rick Warren, and you may not be a big fan uh, but he's a, he's a pastor, well-known pastor of a huge church. He recently retired. He and his wife, Kay, uh, had a son who battled mental illness and depression and ended up uh, taking his life in this battle with depression. Kay and Rick have been through a lot uh, with their child. But Kay Warren wrote a Bible study that she titled this, Choose Joy Because Happiness is isn't enough. Choose joy because happiness isn't enough. And that is such an important statement 
especially for us as followers of Christ, it, it, it's a statement that you and I, we need to embrace, especially in the world that, that we're living in today, in a world that's getting crazier by the moment. Amen? Is it not? I find myself every week, somebody telling me something or me hearing about something, and I find myself saying this, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I'm sure many of you have done the, the, the same thing. And, and, and yes, the world is getting crazier. And my prayer in this, as we begin this series, is, the, is that we will choose joy over this craziness. That we will choose joy over discouragement and defeat. And so my hope is that over these next few weeks, that we will, uh, number one, be reminded of what joy in the Lord is, and number two, how to have that joy of the Lord in our hearts and in our lives. How to restore that if we have lost it and to choose joy. Psalm 16, verse 11, the psalmist tells us, You will fill me with joy in your presence. Talking about the Lord. He says, You will fill me with joy in your presence. In God's presence, my friend, there is joy. And then Jesus when he was approaching his death, when he knew that he's about to be crucified on a cruel Roman cross, here's what he said in John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What is it that Jesus wanted us to have? Joy, right? Jesus did what he did for you on the cross of Calvary so that his joy would be in you and that your joy would be complete. So let me ask you, why is it that so many Christians have lost their joy? Why is it that so many Christians and people that proclaim to be followers of Jesus have lost their joy? Why do so many of us live our lives frustrated from day to day? Why, why do we live our lives being offended? Why do we live our lives being discouraged when we could be living lives that's filled with joy? What has robbed so many of us of our joy that is rightfully and scripturally ours and has been promised to us? Well, that's what Paul is writing about when he wrote this letter, oh, by the way, from a prison cell. He's in jail. So let's pick up Paul's writing here in chapter 1. I appreciate Mason, one of our awesome teens, uh, reading our scripture for us in worship uh, this morning. What a blessing that was. But let's look at it again, because I just want this to be ingrained in our hearts today. Paul writes, starting at verse 2, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains. Or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify. How, long, how I long for all of you. With the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, friends, don't miss this. Of all, this pe- of all the people in the world who has a reason to not be filled with joy at this moment, it was Paul. Right? Because at this time, he's sitting in a cold, dark jail cell awaiting trial and possibly being beheaded. Right? And yet, joy is exactly what we sense and we feel and we see in this letter uh, that he wrote from jail. Paul mentions joy in this letter. He mentions joy or rejoicing or gladness. He mentions it like 15 to 20 times. And he gives us the secret to the joy that he has in his life. Even though his circumstances really stink, his circumstances are absolutely horrible and appear to be hopeless. So he's going to give us the secret. Would you like to have the secret? All right, God, that's so awesome. Thank you. I asked the 8.30 service this morning if they wanted the secret, and there two people went, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, good Lord, y'all listen to this. Y'all need it bad. But here's the deal. It's not really a secret. And it's not really hard to find here in this letter if you're looking for it. And while joy or rejoicing or gladness is mentioned about 20 times in this letter, get this, there is another word that is found 10 times in this letter, and it's mind. And then think or remember is used 16 times. 16 references to thinking, our mind, or remembering. And so what that tells me is this, the secret, if there is a secret, that is found in how to have joy is in the way that we think. It's in our attitudes. It's in our thought patterns. So let me ask you this morning, be honest, we're in church, right? Because if you're not honest in church, you're probably going to get struck by lightning. What is it that consumes your thoughts? What is it that consumes your thoughts? Uh, let, me, let me put it another way. What is it that you're filling your mind with? What kind of attitude toward life in general do you have? Now, you're thinking about somebody else right now. You're going, I'm glad oh so-and-so is here to hear this, right? No, no. Take it personal. Paul was not writing here a self-help book called The Power of Positive Thinking. All right, that's, that's not what it's about. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about this attitude that just blindly says in every circumstance, in every situation, oh, well, it'll be okay. Oh, well, you know, it, it'll turn out all right. Oh, well. Now, what Paul is doing here 
is he is encouraging the readers of this letter that he's written to the church and to us to take a hard look at what it is that's stealing their joy. The joy-stealing circumstances and the joy-stealing people. Can I get an amen? You know anybody that robs you of your joy? And joy-stealing sin that actually corrodes and eats away at the joy in your life and in your mind? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal, Logan. I appreciate you so much. You're an awesome slide changer back there. Um, I have it marked that there's a slide for what I'm about to say, but there's no slide. Okay, so don't freak out. It's all good. Because here's the deal, friends. There is a better way, all right? There is a better way, and through a personal and passionate relationship with Jesus, we really can rejoice in the Lord always. And today we're going to begin by talking about the joy that we can have in godly relationships. The joy that we can experience in and through godly relationships. Because friends, I'm telling you, there is great joy in having relationships and journeying with godly people who are part of the body of Christ. There's just something fun about it. Uh, when, when Christian people get together, it's just a fun time. There's joy in that. There's a word here in verse 5 that the NIV translates as partnership. It says, because of your partnership in the gospel. Well, that word originally was a Greek word, and I probably can't pronounce this right because I don't know Greek. But it's a Greek word called koinonia. And it simply means this, fellowship. Now, probably most of the time when us church folks think about fellowship, what do we think about? <laughs> Eating, right? Food. Potlucks, God forbid. Yeah, yesterday we, we had a funeral here at the church for Brenda McNabb and uh, our awesome ladies. Why is it always ladies that prepares the food for those things? I don't know, men. I know y'all can cook. But um, the ladies had prepared this awesome meal, and somebody had, had brought potato salad. And uh, they were cleaning up. Everybody had left. And one of the ladies came out of the kitchen, and she said, hey, Brother Steve, would you like to take this potato salad home with you? And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> that stuff will kill you. And, and I'm dead serious. I mean, I read a story, legit story. Google it if you want to. Church had a potluck. Lady brought potato salad. Six people in the church died. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. Honest truth. You wonder why I'm anti-potluck. Y'all can have them. I'll eat wagon wheel. But that's what we think about when we think about fellowship. We think about getting together and eating, right? Or we might say something like this. You know what? We had, we had a great time of fellowship at Deer Camp this year. Or, or we might say, you know what? We had a, a, a great time of fellowship just going to the mall and shopping together. Said no man ever. But, but this word koinonia means more than just a time of social interaction. Okay? It means to be in agreement. 
with one another. It, it literally means to be united in purpose and on purpose. It, it means to serve along beside one another. That's the kind of fellowship that it, it's being referred to and talking about here. So in the context of the body of Christ... Those of us who are Jesus' followers and have committed our, our life to Him, in that context, we see all throughout Scripture, but we see specifically here in the first 11 verses of this letter, what this koinonia fellowship looks like. And it's all about, and you see this all throughout the New Testament, it's all about two words, one another. One another, in verse 3. Paul's talking about being thankful for one another. Verse 4, praying for one another. Verse 5, partnering with one another. Verse 6, seeing God working in one another. Verse 7, being unified with one another. Verse 8, wanting to be with one another. Verse 9, loving one another more and more, Paul says. Verse 10, living holiness for one another. And verse 11, seeing Jesus in one another. Friends, our koinonia fellowship with one another is based on our koinonia with Jesus. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with who? one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. And so I want to give you four things that we can take from this today that in this koinonia fellowship that you and I should be saying to one another. All right? And not only say it, but mean it. Especially if we want to experience the joy of of godly relationships. And the first thing we need to be saying to one another in this koinonia fellowship is this. I'm thinking about you. Look at verse 3 there. We see Paul saying this in verse 3. I thank my God every time I what? Remember you. Every time I think about you, I'm thinking about you. And, and friends, this isn't just some flippant, you know, hey man, I'm thinking about you. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's not just that they happen to cross your mind, but that's, that's awesome as well. I love it when I get a text from somebody and they say, hey, I was just thinking about you. You know, it, it, that brings some joy into my life, does it not yours? If you get a message like that or a text like that, and if you don't text, you need to start, all right? You're missing out on some joy in the Lord. But, but it's not just that they happen to cross your mind, but it's letting them know that you are genuinely concerned about what's going on in their life, right? It's deeper than this just service, uh, 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 simple saying, you know, how you doing? And then walking, keep walking. Right? It's deeper than that. It's con concern that we show, concern that we show about one another's walk with the Lord. Hey man, how are you doing? I mean, I mean, really, how are you doing spiritually? Having those kinds of conversations. And men hate that. Men hate that. Women are so good at this. Men are terrible at this. That's one of the reasons that, that we're trying to create this kononia fellowship with a, a group of men in our church on Wednesday nights. is because we need one another. And we need one another to 
ask us some questions and mean it. How are you doing in your walk with Christ? How are you doing in your family? What, what, what's going on in your family that I, I, I could pray with you about that maybe is robbing you of some joy? Maybe showing concern about their health or their emotional well-being. And friends, this is so important as we journey together. As we go on this journey together to build godly and healthy relationships and have them around us. It's so important. So important. The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. And can I just say this this morning, and I don't want to offend anybody that's watching online, but not only is the Christian life not meant to be lived alone, it's not meant to be home churching either. <laughs> this morning in early service, I can get by with a little more in early service because they're not really awake. But I said, Dad, gum it. <laughs> they perked up. I, I'm sure that's a cuss word at somebody's family. I'm sorry, kids. It's PG in here only. <laughs> Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. Because the moment that you give your life to Jesus, the moment that you accept Him, the adoption papers are signed and you instantly gain a whole new family of brothers and sisters that you're going to be with from now until eternity. Get to loving them and get to liking them, friends, because you're going to be with them forever. So let me ask you, let me ask you this morning, who is it right now that comes to your mind that you think needs to hear you say to them, I'm thinking about you. How you doing? Who is it? And maybe you want to write their name down. Maybe you want to put a note in your phone so that you'll remember to follow up with them this week and have that conversation second thing that we see here that seems to be at the root of Paul's joy that he can have even when he's sitting in jail is found here in verse 3 also we should be saying I'm thankful for you there in verse 3 he says I what thank my God every time I think about you every time I remember you we used to sing a song uh, in the church, and we sang it a lot. For some reason, I have this song associated with the old sanctuary that was over there that had the green carpet. And we used to sing it a lot at the end of the service. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. You sing it all the time. Back when we used to be glad that we were at church. Huh? Huh? Amen? When we used to be glad that we were a part of this. We were a part of the family of God. And one of the re main reasons to be glad about being a part of the family of God is because of all these folks seated around you. And you know what? I'd be willing to say that you don't know most of them. Huh? Because I don't know all of them, and I'm the pastor. I may have seen you and known you for 35 years, but I may not know your name tomorrow. You know, that just happens, doesn't it? But you know what? We ought to be glad that we're part of this group of people because of these people that are... Let me tell you something. There are some really, really cool people in this room right now. 
that you ought to get to know. There's also some really weird people that you ought to get to know because it's sheer entertainment, brother, once you get to know them. You got something to talk about for days once you spend some time with them. But we should be so very thankful that God has placed all these people in our lives. We've crossed paths for some reason, folks. Right? He brought us all together here for some reason. We should be thankful for every single person in this room because it's part of God's plan that we would come together as the body of Christ. And we should be thankful for that. Paul was so thankful for the church. Think about it. He was so thankful for his Christian brothers and sisters in the church at Philippi that even in jail, it brought him joy. He had joy thinking about his church family. Why? Because apparently they had encouraged him and they had supported him and they had been faithful in their love toward him. And as he thought about that and he thought about the love that they had shared him, the concern that they had shown for him, for him while he's sitting in jail... He's got joy thinking about his church, thinking about his church family. We see in verse 5 that they had partnered with him in ministry. Down in verse 19, later in this chapter, we see him mention the, the prayers that they had prayed for him on his behalf. In the next chapter, chapter 2 in verses 1 and 2, we see that they had encouraged him and that they had comforted him. Paul had so much to be thankful for because he was a part of the church. He had so much to be thankful for because of his fellow believers in this church that it brought him joy even when he was sitting in the middle of a terrible life crisis. And here's the deal. You and I have people in our lives that we need to be thankful for as well. And we need to tell them. We need to share that with them. So let me ask you, right now, who is it that comes to your mind that you need to let them know that you are thankful for them? Who is it that you're thankful for? Write their name down. Put it in your phone. Make it a point this week to let them know how thankful you are for them. Do something special for them. Blow their mind. Make their day. Share that joy, because let me tell you something. When you share that with them, it's going to put joy in their life, and it's going to give you joy seeing them have joy. Do something extravagant. Show them that you appreciate them. It will not only bring them joy, but it will bring you joy as well. The third thing here that we should be saying in this Koinonia Fellowship is this. I'm praying for you. It, there in verse 4, Paul says, In all my prayers for all of you, he says what? I always pray with joy. Do, do you see the common denominator here? It's the church that has given him this joy. It's the fellowship of believers, this koinonia fellowship that he has experienced that is giving him joy. And Paul knew that one of the most important, most essential, and most loving things that we can do for one another is to pray for one another. To lift someone to the throne of God. All right? There is just something about hearing your name mentioned in prayer that brings joy to your heart. When you hear somebody praying and they say your name, 
It just does something in our hearts. It does something good for us. I remember Brother Sanders, those of you that don't know Brother Sanders, uh, he was the pastor here for 27 years before me. He was my pastor. And he was so good at this in praying at prayer time and listing people's names, saying people's names in the church that were going through something and praying for them. I'm trying to get better at that. But he was so good at that. And I'll never remember if we had something difficult going on in our family or an illness or a death or something like that happened. And I came to church and I heard Brother Sanders speak my name. Take my need to the throne of God. Y'all, there's just something special about that. I've been reminded recently that you know, so often we tell people, you know what, I'll pray for you. We'll walk up to them and we say, I pray for you. And then we walk off. What if, what if we prayed for them right then? Can I just tell you that there is a connection between prayer and joy? <laughs> That's what Paul's speaking to here. That's what he's talking about. There's just something about Hearing your name mentioned in prayer that brings joy. So don't ever sell this short. Praying for others is a huge thing that we can do for one another. And you know what? I've got to where I'm praying for people over the phone. You know what? Prayer works over the phone. Prayer brings joy over the phone. It's possible. You may not can text, but you got a phone. Don't ever minimize the power and the impact of praying for someone. And this, by the way, is what is meant by the term intercessory prayer. I, I know that we use a lot of language in the church that is, you know, familiar to people that have been in church all their life. But sometimes people come to Christ later in life and they don't understand our language. They don't understand the th some of the things that we say. And we talk about intercessory prayer. Well, here is a great definition of intercessory prayer on, on your screen this morning. Holy, believing, persevering prayer whereby someone pleads with God on the behalf of another. Here we are back to one another again, right? Or others for God's intervention. And, and here's the deal. All of us who are followers of Jesus have been called to be intercessors, huh. We've all been called to pray for one another. There's a passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 12 that just kind of undoes me. That is not proper English. It just, I don't know even how to explain it. I'll let you figure out what this says to you. 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 23 says this, As for me... Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. That's pretty heavy. That's, that's pretty hard. That's pretty straightforward right there. That I would sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. As if, and I believe what it's saying here is that it would be a sin for me not to pray for you. And can I just say this, because I'm selfish, it would be a sin for you not to pray for me. Because I need it. And I know none of us are perfect. And none of our family situations are perfect. And you need some prayer for you too. 
brings joy when we are praying for one another within the context of this Kononia fellowship that Paul's talking about here in the letter. So let me ask you, who is it that you need to pray for? Who is it that would come to your mind right now that you need to pray for? I encourage you again, write it down. Put a note in your phone. Contact them this week and let them know that you're praying for them. It will bring them joy and it will bring you joy as well. And then the fourth and final thing this morning that we should be saying to one another in this Kononia fellowship that brings us joy is this. I would like to spend some time with you. I would like to spend time with you. Paul says in verse 8, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Oh, what would the church look like if we longed for this fellowship? If we longed for this coming together? If we longed for these relationships that help us, these godly relationships that help us and restore the joy in our heart and in our lives? You know, Paul's relationship with the church wasn't just some shallow uh, you know, in passing, slip in, slip out. You know, I call it the, the ninja people that we have in church that are in and out. You never see them. But it, it's not about that. He longed for them. He had a deep affection for the church. He had a deep affection for the people of the church and the fellowship of the church. He had a deep desire for that. He knew the need. He knew how much he needed it in his life. And he says, I long for that. Our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ needs to have that depth. It can't be a shallow, in passing kind of thing. We need that longing and deep affection and the desire to spend time together. And friend, again, that only happens within the context of the church. It's why we uh, uh, intentionally try to have Bible studies, new Bible studies, trying different things. Y'all, we, we try everything on the sun. Our staff sets together every week and we brainstorm ways to try to bring people together to create this kind of koinonia fellowship by starting Bible studies, by starting new Sunday school classes. And you know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I'm kind of like Brother Sanders. I've got a great reverse that still works. We can back up and try again and go a different direction. But we're not afraid of trying. We've been trying to start a new Sunday school class uh, the last few weeks for young couples, and, and it just can't seem to get any traction. We don't know why. We're going to keep trying. We're going to keep putting it out there. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We're going to offer something else. But we intentionally are trying to create situations, Bible studies, prayer groups that create this Kononia fellowship because we have to have it. We understand the importance of it. And I believe some of you do as well. To be in a sincere relationship, to see one another growing and walking in the Lord, to serve one another, to serve with one another. Man, there's nothing that brings more joy. This hands and feet in the heat thing that we did over the summer, we would get together for various projects, and we had fun at all of them, except for one. There was one where we cooked for all the city employees, and it was like 110. Uh, we didn't enjoy that. 
Now, but hopefully they did. We gave them a gift and told them we loved them. And, uh, we're not going to do that ever again. We're going to find out something different to do. But man, we had so much fun serving other people, serving along beside some of you. Y'all know what it's like. The joy that comes in that. Dadgummit, some of y'all are missing that. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Hope not. I want to be here till I retire. So let me ask you. Who is it that you long to be with and spend time with? Who do you long to see growing in their walk with the Lord? Who is that, mind, that name that comes to your mind? Write it down and follow up with them this week. But here's the bottom line to all this today, church. All of these relationships that we're talking about here today, all these relationships begin with the most important relationship that anyone can have, and that's a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have that, all the rest of this is really going to be a struggle. The most important thing is that you are in a right relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never made that commitment to him and entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do that today. I want to encourage you to do that right now. Because a relationship with God and living for him, friends, we have scriptural promise that it will bring joy to your life. Some of you this morning have no joy. And you've been pursuing happiness. Joy is so much more important. And our Lord and Savior wants us to have joy. And to be filled with joy. And our joy to be complete. And being in a relationship with Him will then adopt you. You'll be adopted into all these other godly relationships that would just continue to feed that joy not only in your life, but feed the joy in others' lives as well. And when you get your relationship right with Jesus, and you get your relationship right with the body of Christ, boy, that's when we really begin to see the church at its finest. And I'll say this, and at its most fun. <laughs> fun. Where it's enjoyable. We enjoy being around these people, even though some of y'all are really weird. We enjoy being around you. You know it. It's not a, it's not a secret. Everybody knows. You know, you know you're the weird one. Right? I, I love y'all more than you will ever know. I love being a part of this family. Each and every one of you is what makes this place special. Thank you for that. Thank you for bringing joy to my life. And my prayer is that I could just bring a little joy to yours and to your family. Because that's what God wants. That's what he intended for us to have. And so would you join me today and over these next few weeks? And let's choose joy. Amen?
Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much. Again, for your goodness. We see it right here. That you want good for your children. You want joy for your children. God, you want us to be in these relationships. We saw it through your son Jesus. How he created relationships to get people to follow him. And God, thank you for just reminding me again this week that people don't really give a rip about what I say if I don't have a relationship with them and they can see my love for you and my compassion and love for them. They're not going to listen to the message until they experience the love and that relationship. And so today, God, first and foremost, my prayer is, if there's somebody here today that hasn't committed their life to you, I pray today would be the day that they would do that, that they would wait no longer, that they would accept you, um, surrender their life to you. And I, and I know, I know because I've experienced this, I've seen so many other people experience it. When they give their life to you, there's joy right there in knowing that you've been adopted into the family of the King of Kings. Wow. Thank you for doing that for us. We've got to also pray for us that those of us that have been in the church for a long time, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's mundane, maybe we just know we did, we're supposed to do it, so we're here, we came. But God, it is so much more than that. You intended so much more from us as the body of Christ. God, I pray... I pray personally that I would get this right. Help me to get this right. And God, I pray that you would help those that are here, those that are listening online as well, but let it start with me. I, I've, got, I've got to give an account for me in my life, as do every other person in this room today. But God, I thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit that's going to uh, this week, bring those names to my mind to reach out to, to tell them I'm thinking about them, to tell them that I'm thankful for them, to tell them that I'm praying for them, or maybe just to spend a little time with them. There's always joy in those things. Thank you for that. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his powerful name that we pray and ask these things today. Amen. God bless y'all. I really do love you. I hope I see you back here Wednesday night. Meal at 5 to 6.30.